Hey, Knowles, welcome to Front Row. Knowles, as always, a big shout out to Seminole Boosters, longtime supporter of this program. Thank you to those of you who are Seminole Boosters and supporting Florida State Athletics. We are excited for the new year. Annual fund, Bowden Society, Coaches Club, all almost to goal. So if you haven't stepped up already, I invite you to do so. And again, thanks to, to Seminole Boosters for supporting Front Row Knowles. With that said, and without further ado, here's this week's show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about you, Mr. Thomas? I'm bitter, frustrated, annoyed. Have we reversed had, roles? We have reversed roles, yes. I'm getting closer to your age. No, I've had time to reflect on the state of college football officiating. And <laughs> you, you know what that can lead to. Oh, it's the cross I bear on your behalf. Florida State certainly didn't get a good ref or a good whistle on Saturday, but then I watched the Miami game and as laughable as that ending was, the Miami kid didn't fumble. So Miami got hosed. And then Clemson is all upset about the officiating in their game. And Dino Babers and Syracuse think they got screwed. And so nobody likes the officials, Keith. That's where we are. I guess what we're saying, Tommy, is we now have reached universal mediocrity. I think we have. I think we have. It does. I, I was thinking about this, you know, targeting comes up every year and still they have yet to enact the block legislation, which is just flag it on the field and figure it out Sunday at the conference office and suspend the guy then. Stop with the two-minute reviews. You've heard me do this. I do this every year, right, Keith? But yep. it occurred to me. If we're going to spend three minutes figuring out if a guy led with the crown of the helmet when he would hit a guy in the calf because the quarterback slid, why can we not review a blindside block that is a point of emphasis, which is really not very subjective? I mean, it's pretty obvious if a guy nailed another guy who wasn't looking, i.e. when AZ Thomas got blindside blocked on the big quarterback scramble the other day, wouldn't that be pretty easy and quick to review? One would think. But then again, Tommy, you're being logical, and that doesn't work when you have a black and white shirt on. Okay. I'm just throwing the idea out there. It's a point of emphasis. I'm not suggesting we review holding and all the and pass interference and all those other calls. That one is a point of emphasis. If if the name is player safety, seems like it'd be pretty easy to do that. Anyway, I'm really not I'm really not all in on the ref rant today, Keith. I just thought I'd throw it out there. You know what we do have this weekend? Uh, Syracuse coming to town for a 12 noon kick and also the anniversary, the 30-year anniversary of the 1993 National Championship, which means a lot of guys that uh, were felt stellar athletes back in the day, uh, still better athletes than I ever was, and probably you too, Keith, uh, yep. but not quite as uh, fit as they once were will be in town this weekend. Well, except for some exceptions. I mean, I, I have you have you been around Derek Brooks in the last year or two? That's, that's you, true. You, that's true. Have you seen Charlie? Um, I mean, there's some of those guys that uh, look, they would tell I was you painting with a broad brush. Okay. Yeah. But there are some of those guys that still have the look. Uh, but as I'll probably end up saying, cause I've done it for years and years, when you get past 30, when you get with your former teammates, there's only two things you talk about what surges you had and what hurts. That's just the conversation. I, it's an unwritten rule. 
Yeah. Well, when we come back, we will talk with uh, one of the stars of that season, who, in my opinion, made the most memorable play of the 1993 season. He'll join us next on Front Row Knowles, so stay with us. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block and Keith Jones. And time to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And, KJ, I'm not sure where the time has gone because uh, as we turn back the clock to 1993, we're celebrating uh, – the 30-year anniversary of that first Florida State National title, and we're pleased to welcome one of the stars and starting uh, members of that uh, team to the program right now. Devin Bush Sr. is with us. Devin, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Does it does it feel like 30 years to you? It does not feel like 30 years. It feels like five or six years. I feel like it just happened not too long ago. You don't look like it was 30 years ago, brother. I, I, I'll just give you that. Um, when I say 93 national championship team, what's the first memory comes back to you? Beating Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. That's the first memory comes to me. Beating Nebraska in the Orange Bowl in my hometown of Miami, Florida. Winning it there. And for people that for people that aren't aware, how close did uh, how close did your squad come to not being able to get to that Orange Bowl? They say we came close with the mishap up at uh, South Bend, Indiana. Hey, That's Kevin. right. That's right. And you were there. Guess what? I was there, too. I was in the stands. I wasn't on the sideline. I certainly wasn't playing. But I was there. Well, glad you was there. But hate that we didn't uh, pull it out for you, but glad you was there. Excellent. Excellent. So Devin was a starting safety on the 93 team. And the 93 team is being – honored this weekend with that 30-year anniversary. Let, I want to go back to the Orange Bowl. That's the first thing you mentioned. So it was over, and then it wasn't over. They put more time back on the clock, and Nebraska got the lineup for a kick. So what was that moment like for you as you were on the sideline, starting to celebrate, and then or maybe on the field, and then couldn't? I actually don't know if I actually remember that moment because they, uh, I knocked myself out uh, late in the fourth quarter. So I was on the sideline helmetless. They wouldn't give me my helmet back so I could go back in the game. So I don't I don't know that part, really. Well, uh, take it from me. It's good. I'm glad that you're okay, obviously, from that. And I didn't recall that. Uh, but that was a little bit harrowing. I know one thing you do remember from that year, though, because I think if you asked FSU fans who followed the 93 Knowles, it might be the single play they would point to the most. And it was your interception against Miami and Doe Campbell Stadium that year because Florida State, had, as you know, had had trouble getting past that Miami hump the last couple of years with wide right one and wide right two. And even though the Knowles had led that whole day, I don't think anybody was completely convinced it was going to happen until you got that interception. So walk us through that that play in that day. So on that particular play uh, in the first half, I saw that formation and – I saw the, the receiver at the number three spot. So he came across because I was lined up to the nub side tight end where I was. So they drug him across. I saw the throw. I broke, but when I get ready to broke, I slipped. So when I got back on my feet, I had a huge hit on the receiver and knocked the ball about 10 feet in the air. And uh, Derek Alexander picked it up, one of my best friends, 
and started to run with it, and they blew it dead and said it wasn't a fumble. But I had a huge hit. I tried to kill that guy, uh, but it was a huge hit on him. So we come back the second half, and I see the same formation. So now I get real cocky, and I'm like, same formation. Backside tight end, I'm on the nub side. This tight end cannot beat me running. He does not threaten me. So on the snap of the ball, I just took off running right away. So as I took off running, I looked up, and the ball was right in my sights. Uh, hands on it, and the rest was history. <laughs> I get goosebumps just thinking about that. Because, again, <laughs> for those of us that have been around for a long time, there are two, two games – because, you know, you were just – Florida State had just been introduced to the ACC. Prior to that, you and I played on independent, independent. Florida State. Independent. And so Nobody there were two games. There was two games always on every calendar, Florida and Miami, Miami and Florida. And I get goosebumps just thinking about that play because I recall it even though it was 30 years ago. <laughs> well, my, my mindset was um, I just wanted to clear the schedule and I wanted to play the University of Miami at their field in the Orange Bowl for 10 games. I didn't want to play at Dope. I wanted to play down there, clear the schedule. Let's play them 10 out of 10. Let's see who wins the 10 out of 10. So in the offseason, when uh, 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 Derek Brooks and I and Derek Alexander, I would train, everything I did, every lift run, I would have beaten Miami on my mind. So that was who I really concerned myself with. Uh, that was the game uh, to play in. That was the game I grew up watching. Uh, it was a huge game. It was so much fun to play in, uh, playing against all that talent, uh, the week of it, the buildup of it, the, the back and forth, the jarring. Um, I loved pulling into to the Orange Bowl where all the fans are trying to throw stuff at our buses, flicking us off, giving us, dropping F-bombs. I loved it. And saying what they were going to do, and I thought was like, you're not going to do anything. Because if you come in this state, I will kill you. But you keep talking, and your team's going to pay for whatever you're saying. So I just love pulling in with my team on that bus and getting off, and they saying, here they go. Here they go. Something special. Like, Something special about, about the old yes. Orange Bowl, too. Yes, it was. I grew up in that place, so it was just uh, special to me uh, to play there and play in front of uh, – in my hometown and play in that game. Grew up watching that game. Welcome with Seminole star Devin Bush Sr., who had that big interception against Miami in 93. So the reunion's coming up this weekend. Are you coming in town for, for the festivities? I was lucky enough to be able to make the festivities. So, yes, I will be there, and I'm very thankful. So you you mentioned some names, some of your former teammates, and, and William Floyd connected us today. I get the honor of working with William every week on the radio network. You mentioned Derek Brooks and Derek Alexander. Uh, who, who are guys that you're in touch with now that are lifelong friends from when you played together at FSU? So you have those two, of course. Uh, Brooks was my roommate. Derek Alexander was my sweet mate. Uh, Tyrant Marion was his roommate and my sweet mate. So that was my four close, close uh, there. So outside of those guys, you have William Floyd, Kes McCorvey, uh, I talked with Tamaric Vanover, uh, my boy Corey Fuller, uh, Sean Hamlet. Uh, who else? I talked to Charlie here and there uh, on some things and some recruiting stuff. 
Um, that's about it. I'm in really, really close contact with. See, Tommy, I'm in, I'm in rare company because I see Kez McCorvey about once a week. Uh, my granddaughter went to the ball game this Saturday with Corey Fuller's daughter. Um, so I, I, I'm a member of the 93 team now. Yes, you are. Welcome. <laughs> the best part is that every name you mentioned, you mentioned the last name except for Charlie. And we all know who Charlie is. Everybody else, you have to mention their last name. <laughs> yes, we do. And I have the honor of saying, not many people in the world can say they played with a Heisman Trophy winner. I can say that. I played with a Heisman Trophy winner. So raise your hand if you did. So thank you, Charlie. About, I feel really good about bragging about that. How about if I played against them and, and lost? Does that count? Well, that's a different category. You played against them and lost. <laughs> Devin, catch I think yourself I did that too. Hey, hey, yeah. no, I think I did that as well. Uh, Toretto won it. Played against him and lost. One of those wide rights. Hated wide well, right. Catch us up on what you're doing now, um, and and fill fill our listeners in on what what your world looks like these days. So what I had started doing, I started coaching uh, high school football in uh, South Florida. And I had this high school team, Flanagan High School. So I ended up leading them to uh, the Class 8A state championship, uh, the first uh, state championship in school history. So after, I, after that accomplishment, I went on and coached at the University of Michigan for four years. Uh, then I went to Ole Miss, uh, University of Mississippi. I coached there for three and a half years. And last year I coached in the XFL with Terrell Buckley. Keep up. One of my teammates uh, in the XFL for the Orlando Guardians. So that's exactly uh, what I'm doing now. So I'm still in the coaching ranks. I absolutely love football. I uh, really enjoy it. Enjoy it. I get a lot out of it competing, uh, seeing if you can win that game, uh, the preparation during the week and see how uh, it shows itself on game day. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I will be boarding that plane uh, to make sure I'm in Tallahassee uh, this Friday and Saturday. Now, I know you're a proud papa. Uh, we, we, we have a youngin that had a little bit of a college career. It wasn't at Florida State, uh, but you kind of mis you kind of mi Michigan mich mentioned Michigan, Michigan Michigan. Uh, what, what's your what's junior up to these days? So he's uh, actually. Uh, in Seattle with the Seahawks. So right. he's over there with the Seahawks uh, after being drafted by the Steelers uh, in the first round. So uh, we're in a small list of families, father and son, first round draft picks. So I was like, man, a little kid from inner city Miami, what an accomplishment. Much so, so, and also my daughter went to uh, Florida State University, Deja Bush, and she, she won the first national championship in softball like I did in football. So we're on the even smaller list of only one father-daughter national champion combination at Florida State. So I'm very proud of, of her and that team. Well, Devin, I have to apologize. I did not know that. You've enlightened me. Tommy, I, I need to do my homework a little better. 
Well, and I had forgotten it until he mentioned it, but I remember that now, and that's awesome. Congrats on on both accounts, all accounts on that. Thank you. I'm guessing you still, when your schedule allows, watch Florida State. I mean, I, I know that, you know, work and when you're coaching at other places, you can't necessarily be in front of the TV or in Tallahassee every Saturday, but do you watch them pretty regularly right now? Yes, I, I try to, if I can't see them play, I try to catch the highlights and get a feel for what's going on uh, there. It's hard with being in the in the coaching world to get to a game. So I hadn't had the opportunity uh, to really be able to uh, sit back and enjoy that. So this will be, this will actually be my first time standing on that field, standing on the sidelines while Florida State is playing. This will be my first time. So I'm really excited about uh, that opportunity. I'm really grateful uh, that uh, they're honoring that 93 team so I could have that opportunity. Well, that is, that is awesome. You'll, you'll enjoy every moment of it. I, I guarantee you. And, and I would imagine your, your teammates, I don't remember, did they bring you back at the 10 year mark? I mean, when's the last time that you would have been, I know you've seen some of your buddies, but to see this many of your teammates, has that happened since the national championship celebration? It has not, it has not. I haven't had that uh, opportunity. It has, it just hadn't happened. All right, well, Devin, let me let me school you a little bit. Uh, the questions you're going to get asked are, what what have you had operated on, and what hurts? That's what we all talk about at the 30th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> well, what hurts? <laughs> what hurts is, is that I can't play anymore. <laughs> I really love to play, so on game day I get the same feeling. I get those same uh, chills and excitement, and I want to run out there and play and suit up one more time, and then reality hits in. Son, you'll never play again. <laughs> so that hurts. <laughs> uh, what I did have, I, I eventually ended up having one surgery uh, two years ago. Uh, I had surgery to repair my meniscus. So that's the only surgery I've ever had. So uh, I tried to make sure I stayed out of that because I wasn't afraid of much, but I was really afraid of somebody putting me to sleep and cutting me. I was terrified of that, but I wasn't afraid of much else. Well, Devin, uh, you know, you played from the moment you could probably walk. You played football and you played at FSU. And then you played, I think, eight years in the league. And the only surgery you've had is meniscus. I would count yourself as a lucky man and uh, enjoy that all the way. I, most I people do. have a longer record than that. Yeah, that was my thing to make sure. I was like, no, I, I, I love to play. So keep me out of the training room. They used to tell us you can't make the tub in the club. So if anything was bothering me or uh, hampering me, I would just lie and say, I'm okay. They'd be like, Bush, you okay? I'd be like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not going in that training room. Not going to see Randy. Nope. Not going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Randy was a graduate assistant, Devin, when I played, and then then came full time as a as a uh, assistant trainer. And I don't know how you guys were, but we were very superstitious. Randy Orvitz is the only man that ever taped my ankles. What? Here at the end. Yep. Only so person look, ever taped my ankles. <laughs> so look, I hated the tape. And then, and I didn't want it on me. So what I ended up figuring out was I would get the soft tape and lightly tape it around my ankle so it looked like I was taped. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't get in trouble. <laughs> you you, you wore the pre-wrap is what you're saying. That was it, just the pre-wrap. Yeah, just the pre-wrap. Just put it on there and take it around like that so it looks like I'm taped. So when Coach come around, when uh, Mickey come around and say, are you taped? I'm like, yes, sir. 
Are you tape whacker? That's who I am. We we gonna we gotta finish up and get to break, but uh, I feel like we deprived our listeners because you just mentioned Mickey and we didn't ask you any Mickey Andrews story, so we'll let you off the hook on that one. But uh, we're excited to see you back and and see the whole team back. Uh, congratulations on the success and uh, have fun this weekend, senior teammates. Well, just know that uh, just know I love Mickey Andrews very very much. He's been uh, meant so much to me and and had so much uh, of an effect on my career, my coach career, how I, how I coach, how I see the game, how I play the game. So I, I, I really love him dearly. Amen. That's well said. All right, we'll go to break and come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Let's keep that Earl Bacon Agency hotline open. Thanks to Devin Bush. We have uh, moved on from Devin. Wish him a great weekend as he comes back to town. And we say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferranti. Hey, Bob, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. We're going to see if you pass the test here. Your first memory of the 93 Knowles season is? So, honestly, it was just fun watching them from a distance. I was still in high school, but enjoyed every minute of that season. Maybe not as much as a lot of fans will remember Notre Dame. But it's been, honestly, really cool to get to know those guys, some of them, you know, through the years. Mark Salva. Obviously, a grad assistant who helps us with podcasts, and Kez McCorvey's been on some of our podcasts. Work done with what he does with his foundation. You know, you're always kind of running into him when he's back in town, and Charlie Ward is a coach. Uh, Kez with FCA. So it's, I think what's really neat about these reunions, and maybe KJ feels the same way about his guys, but you see the faces. Everybody's a little bit grayer. Everybody moves a little slower, but you just, you're reminded how great these guys are what they've become as men and, and fathers and, and even mentors and coaches to a lot of people. I reminded Devin that at the 30 year mark, your conversations are, well, what have you had surgery on and what hurts right now? And Devin <laughs> and Devin being such a competitor, he told us about the one surgery he's had a couple of years ago. He said, Bob, the biggest thing that hurt him is he can't get back out on the field. Trust me. That's not what hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> If you can't golf, I guess it's a bad injury, right? I guess. I guess. It, it is amazing when you look back in retrospect and you think about, uh, and and Bob, I wasn't in high school at that time. I, I was here covering the team already, having just gotten out of school. And Heath was already talking to his former teammates about what surgeries they'd had and whatnot. But uh, you look at it now, and so, I mean, I'm just going through a ramp. So you mentioned Warwick Dunn, obviously. Who knew what he was going to become? Charlie had won the Heisman. We didn't know he was going to be a pro basketball player for 10 years. Derek Brooks goes on to be a pro football Hall of Famer. Uh, Danny Cannell's a national media star, and he was the holder on the winning kick. I don't know what Scott Bentley's up to, who was the cover boy from Sports Illustrated that year, but it's just, you know, when you look back at, at those names and really the foundation they laid, and it wasn't that it started with them, Keith, because and it didn't start with you and your group either because there were guys before you, but – I mean, that's the, that's the first team that got the national title. And so they'll forever have a special place in Florida State fans' hearts. And uh, it's going to be a cool moment when they get honored this Saturday. 
Yeah, I think it's it's neat. I mean, we know there's going to be a, a couple of reunions this year. The, some of the 2013 guys said they're going to be back, you know, before that Northern Alabama game, North Alabama game. So it is a fun year for reunions for for them and the Florida State family. I I just, you know, I I have fond memories of watching those guys. I I think you said it right. There are, there are players who are standing on the shoulders of players before them, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s into the 90s and and just that that 14 year run was incredible. But I think that the 93 team it wasn't the perfect season that I think Bobby Bowden always had the picture frame of the, the, the start to finish perfect season. Let's put that asterisk by that. But it was a 93 team that won his first title. I think he had been so dadgum close, you know, to use his, his favorite word. He had been so close in the missed kicks against Miami. I, I wonder, you know, privately in those, some of those years, how much did he start to, wonder what is it going to take am i am i cursed to some extent as a coach and and to have that that 93 team obviously you stumble against notre dame but the next week boston college does its magic and and i, I remember talking to some of those 93 guys and they said they were coming um i guess on the bus back from the thomasville hotel and they knew that that i guess bc had won that notre dame game and they just went out and crushed nc state they were just a team that was on a renewed mission to make sure that there were not going to be close games the rest of the way in that regular season. And you got to remember then the bowl system was a beauty pageant. The bowls picked who they wanted. There was some conference affiliation, but you had to look good both on the field. You had to travel with a bunch of people. Um, I mean, it was a different environment that today's modern fan just doesn't have an appreciation for. And for them to go out and do what they did uh, upon the news of BC upsetting Notre Dame, I think, along with everything else, was a big part of why they did get invited to play Nebraska. And, of course, in the old Orange Bowl, most of our fans don't remember, at least the, the modern fans don't remember the old Orange Bowl and all of the things that went into it, uh, where it was located, how you had to park in people's you know, yards, and and the games that have been played there, both in the NFL and at the collegiate level, um, you know, it was a it was a different environment and a very and one that I hope people will, over time will learn to revisit and reappreciate. Those fans don't remember the raw sewage that used to leak in the Orange Bowl either, and it's in its older years, KJ. That's true. Or the large, right. luxurious press box that we had to work out of. Uh, the mind always tried- goes to the gutter when we go back in the day, right? Oh, I had a conversation with Jeff Colhane recently about the size of that radio booth at the Orange Bowl, which was, I mean, it was a shoebox. It was tiny, and it was like they had stapled it to the rest of the press box. It always felt like if we put one too many people in there, that whole thing was going down into the lower deck. But anyway, we don't have to deal with the Orange Bowl anymore, and we don't have to deal with Miami this week. Unless, Bob, you'd like to weigh in on the uh, in-game management from uh, the Miami-Georgia Tech game. Do you have any opinions on that, or should we just let that one go? I, I think Mario has heard worse from the Miami fan base. I don't know what he was thinking. I, the only thing I've said is you, you've got to listen to those around you in the moment. You've got assistant coaches. You've got dozens of analysts who I'm sure are speaking Maybe they don't have headsets on because they're analysts, but somebody is speaking up. A lot of somebody's, I'm sure, were voicing their opinion. Apparently, Mario's done this in the past, going back to 2018. There, there's some history of him 
these kind of not taking a knee type incidents back at Oregon, whether you call it a philosophy or not, you are risking everything when you put the ball in a running back's hands, when you know running out the clock in the victory formation is the call in that situation. All right, so we get Syracuse this week, Bob. Reason for concern. Can we go to the game and if Florida State wins by 14, can we be happy or do we have to nitpick everything? Um, can we be maybe a little bit of both? I think Jerry wrote an interesting column kind of addressing this, that the the score of the Virginia Tech game, for example, met, I think, a lot of our projections from just two sets of numbers with a dash between it. But at the same time, that journey to that number felt uncomfortable and it didn't feel like a satisfying four quarters. I also feel like to some extent when two power five teams play each other, this concept of a complete game is almost nonsense. You just don't see it. You're not going to get this, this complete game type of thing. I, I, I go back to what we've, we've talked about maybe in previous weeks. So many teams are losing Miami, Texas, you know, Syracuse was at one, at one point unbeaten. Teams are going to lose. Appreciate the wins, respect the streak, find the nitpick reasons. And there's there's a lot of things to nitpick about Florida State. I'm I'm not sold they're gonna go unbeaten. I, I think they might lose at some point one of these games, but you have to hope in the end that the playoff, there are a bunch of one-loss teams. I, I still feel feel like in the end, you're gonna have a bunch of one-loss teams in the playoff and, and Florida State will be right up there just because of that body of work, because of what they've been able to, to accomplish. The biggest thing that causes me pause or gives me pause about Syracuse is their quarterback. He's had some success against FSU. Uh, he certainly had some success early in this season, the first couple of three games. Again, arguably inferior opponents, but a game's a game. Uh, they're without their big tight end. That's a big, big loss for them. But that quarterback can do some things. Um, in fact, if, if our listeners want to, go to YouTube and, and look him up. Because he, he, uh, my understanding is he has a series of fakes on, on YouTube uh, about how he executes his fakes and just completely fakes out uh, the defense. Um, so it's not going to be a cupcake. There's no question about it in my mind. I think the danger is is not just a mobile quarterback, but a big guy, somebody who can, you know, break some tackles, fall forward. Again, what we were we have been concerned about at times with Florida State's defense is third and short, fourth and one. When you have those big quarterbacks, what can they do? Whether it's traditional run, RPO, yes, those things concern you. He's improved as a passer since we saw him two years ago. The talent around him is not not real good. There's no Sean Tucker anymore. You know, he's gone in the NFL. You mentioned Rondé Gadsden. He's got the foot injury. It's unfortunate he's not playing. Um, this doesn't feel like that kind of Syracuse team that's got a ton of, of firepower. I, I know Dino Babers kind of created some headlines when he said, you know, our talent, there, there is no depth. Our depth is in the transfer portal. And, and he really was, was kind of railing on the lack of talent that they've had. They've kind of been they've lost a lot of their top players to other power five schools. And that's, that's a real challenge for Syracuse, just where they are, I think geographically and, and maybe in the current prestige of, of some younger players who don't maybe understand the full rich history Syracuse has had. So it, it doesn't feel like the, maybe the best matchup, I think from the Syracuse 
standpoint, but it's still an opportunity for Florida State to improve, to play younger guys, to get them experience, to, to make sure the running game is still on track, to make sure the defense is going to stop the pass. And, and that's been a concern, right? So there are still things for, for Florida State to look at and to improve on. Coach Norvell said it early in the week. Uh, no disrespect to Syracuse, but it's not about them. It's about us. I'm I think paraphrasing, been, but I'm pretty close to his quote. And he's been pretty much on that, I would almost say, since March. I mean, he is just the opponent, very much respect. He can tell you the players on the other side and what they can accomplish. I think part of this is, is though Mike Norvell knowing how special this team is, just the capabilities of what they can accomplish as a group. I, I think we've seen some individual improvement too through these, these five games, even though, again, we're still looking at certain position groups or national categories where you say, well, why is Florida State a little bit lower than maybe we had thought they might be better in, say, back in July or August? Last year when Florida State played Syracuse, Garrett Schrader, the quarterback, was coming off an injury, so he was not 100%. But I was just looking at it, and it's uh, two years ago here, Florida State won the game, and uh, that was the first. So, first of all, that was the first win after an 0-4 start, and we're, we're talking two years and two weeks probably or two, two years and 10 days since that game by the time we kick on Saturday. And uh, that really is when the light switched for Florida State, and they finished five and three that year, and ten and three last year, and now they've got, you know, a five and zero start this year. It's pretty amazing when you look back, Bob, that that's uh, that that it's only been two years. I mean, that feels like a lifetime ago, and it really it's not that far in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I mean, we remember those discussions when Florida State's zero and four, and and this is Mike Norvell's second year, and you're starting to think, okay, is this group going to get it? Um, the unforgettable Jacksonville State loss. And for how they battled, I think, that week prior against Louisville, um, you saw some strides there. You saw against Syracuse, they had to have that, I think it was a fourth and goal stop that they had to have to, to keep Syracuse out of the end zone. And then Ryan Fitzgerald makes that field goal down at the end. So I want to say they're 20 and six, including that Syracuse game two years ago. So it, it's a pretty... Pretty incredible bit of confidence. I think that Syracuse game was maybe not a huge confidence bump all on its own, but just the start of what was to come for them in, in many degrees. You mentioned the field goal against Syracuse and then all that uh, Fritz has been through since then to where he is now. I'm, Tommy and I talked about this after the game. This might be as good a kicking pair as is in the country right now, and and nobody knows about it really. Yeah, it almost seems to be like the, the the college football thing where we don't pay attention to kickers and punters until they're in crunch time or, or you know, within circles. The Florida State fans know how good Alex Mastromano is, you know, leading the ACC in, in, in punting and Ryan Fitzgerald making all of his kicks. It's neat to see how Ryan has made that confidence jump, I think, from from a year ago, honestly, where he was tinkering with his mechanics and still questioning what he needs to do, talking to his dad, who is also a high school kicker and kind of his coach. How do I do things? And now you see a very confident Ryan Fitzgerald. Um, I think we felt going in that that special teams could be a strength for this team in 2023. It was clearly a difference against Clemson, right? It's, it's, it's an area where you can win games. 
you don't want to give up a kickoff return to start off the, the second half for a touchdown. But I think these are learning moments for, you know, for some of those younger guys on, on say, kick coverage. But when you have a weapon like an Alex Mastermano, how, how great is that for your defense? That he can flip the field and, and you've got a ton of green grass behind you to, have, to be able to protect. I think that's just a luxury to have a guy like that. So, yeah, I don't know if people rank kickers and punters out there, if there's a metric to analyze them, but optically what they do game to game is, is pretty impressive. Well, and I think we're more willing to talk about Master Mono having a good year and we just leave Fitz over here on his own and don't want to jinx anything and just leave it at that, right? Yeah, he's a he's, uh, he's, through, six as third, always, sir. he's through six and a third innings of no hit ball. We're not even talking to him. He's he's he's, he's, he's all alone on the bench by himself. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right, we'll come back and wrap things up right after this. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, thanks to Bob Ferrante and to Devin Bush for joining us. It, it occurred to me, Keith, that at the top of the show, I, uh, I teased Devin Bush by saying it was the most memorable play of the 93 season. I might have to put an asterisk on that and say the most memorable play that happened at Doe Campbell Stadium because most people are going to choose Ward to Dunn in the swamp that year. But I will say there was something so cathartic about that moment when Bush picked that pass off. Having gone through wide right one and wide right two – in 1987 and just not feeling like Florida state could get over the hump. That was what happened when Bush made that pick in 93. Well, one of the reasons why it is legitimate to say that it might be the biggest play of that particular year is because of those other things that had happened. I think one of the things that makes the ward to Dunn uh, story and that particular play resonate is you got Charlie as a senior, you got Warwick as a freshman, works still within a year of losing his mom and and for a freshman to come in and be a prominent part of such a big play and such a big rivalry and then all the things the positive things that Charlie Ward and, and Warwick have done in their lives since then it probably just is a bigger people pe people think of it because they've got 30 years to think of it but at the moment that Bush interception was quite the phenomenon. There's no question. Little known fact. Uh, do you know what uh, occurred on that date in history in the young professional career of one Tom Block? I do not. Please share. That was my first day on the air at Channel 27 was the day that uh, FSU beat Miami in 1993. And now you know the rest of the story. And it resonates in the Block household. No question. Here's a, I, I started the show with a minor rant about the refs, Keith. I'm going to go back to another one. I'm just pulling through the, I don't know what's happened today. I'm, I'm, I'm a crotchety old guy like you. I'm, I'm looking through the book of rants. And there's a chance North Carolina would be in the ACC championship game this year. Am I correct on that? Yes, there is a chance. Yes. And, and this is not coming out of left field. I mean, they have a pretty good quarterback who's a Heisman candidate and, 
probably, you know, Jordan Travis aside, probably the best quarterback in the ACC and a potential first round draft pick, right? Am I right on this? Yes, one? yes, yes. Yes. So do you know what the ACC scheduled on the day of the ACC championship game this year? Uh, I believe there's a basketball game scheduled. A North Carolina home basketball game. So here we are as the league still trying to point out that football matters. And they have scheduled in a year when North Carolina is actually good in football, they scheduled a home game for the Tar Heels about five hours before kickoff of the ACC championship game. Now, technically you could make both. I think the cities are close enough. I just feel the need to point. Just If we're going to say we're serious about football as a conference, can we just skip playing basketball that day and make the teams play on Sunday? Is that too big a request? Or remember the Jones theory when there wasn't big crowds at the ACC championship game. I said, let's play a doubleheader in Charlotte in basketball on the Friday night before. Everybody can basketball and football can just come and show up, but they didn't do that. Well, here's the footnote to the story, Keith. The team of North Carolina is playing in basketball on December 2nd at the Dean Dome is Florida State. And you could have the same teams meeting in Charlotte. But going back to the crux of the issue, we would prefer that the basketball game be played at halftime of the football game, but the powers that be would play the football game at halftime of the basketball game. Am I right on that? Uh, you are incorrect in applicability, but you are correct in thought process. <laughs> anyway, I, I just, it, for some reason, it stuck out when I looked at the schedule again, and I just flashed back to the days when, FSU and Clemson were both in the top 10 and the ACC thought that would be a good week during the football season when they're playing to hold basketball media day three days before the biggest conference football game of the year. But alas, that was a previous commissioner, a different regime. As we know, everything's gotten better since then, right, Keith? Do you feel better, Mr. Block? I do. I do. We're out of time, folks. We'll continue this next week. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.